This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, June 26th, 2023. Good afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us for the Monday edition of the WBBM Noon Business Hour, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Rachel Pearson, and I'm filling in for Rob Hart. There are certainly financial moves that those expecting a baby need to make. We'll cover that in our next segment, but right now, the week ahead includes a gauge of inflation from the Fed, the latest report on home prices, plus an update on personal income and spending. So let's get a preview from Paul Christopher. He's head of global market strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute based in St. Louis. And uh, Paul, let's first start with what we can expect from the Fed. We're expecting the chair to make some sort of announcement on Wednesday, uh, maybe sort of indicating what move, if any, comes next. Yeah, the Fed's going to be trying to communicate. We think it's pretty clear that they're going to do another quarter point rate hike at their meeting, their next meeting in July, uh, and then probably one more after that. And then we'll have to see what the data look like between now and then. And what kind of data is the Fed going to look at? Because depending on which piece of data you look at, it sort of paints a different picture. But when you combine it all, that's I think maybe that's what, what the Fed's going to look to. Yeah, you're exactly right. The economy is slowing. So tomorrow's durable goods, for example, durable goods orders uh, should be coming in negative. But we do expect strong, anything relating to consumer spending is still strong, especially services. So people traveling, going to restaurants, hotels, all of that's still pretty strong. Look for that to be a potential uh, high priority for the Fed, as well as the employment report uh, next week after the holiday at the end of the week. Right. And and we know, too, that the, the consumer price index, uh, what was it, a week or two ago, had indicated that, yes, inflation for the most part is is coming down with the exception of food and shelter. And we know that uh, some national home price uh, data is going to come out tomorrow. So let's talk about your, your thoughts on housing. Yeah, housing seems to be stabilizing, but it's it's not because prices are coming down, and it's not because mortgage rates are coming down. There's more to do with people's income. In fact, affordability is near a 25-year low right now. So we're expecting home prices to continue to go up uh, and home sales to, let, let's say, ma- maintain their current levels, uh, but not really sinking much more. Well, that's interesting that you're bringing up the the fact that it's because you would think that the only thing that was going to move the housing market one way or another is if one of two things happened, either the home prices came down or mortgage rates become lower. Uh, but neither's the case. And we're already seeing some movement. Yeah, we're not saying for a moment that that uh, people don't care about their mortgage rates. They do. Uh, but when they want a house and their incomes seem secure and they may even be making more in terms of uh, purchasing power, let's say your your raise is 4 or 5%, but now inflation's under 4% or under 5%, now you've got extra purchasing power. You may be able to afford more. That may trump 
the uh, higher mortgage rate. Well, or even just to say that, that yes, you, what is it, marry the home and date the rate? Isn't that the, the saying, <laughs> hoping right. that then you date can refinance? Rate, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, well, well, Paul, let's shift gears a little bit, because while it hasn't had a major impact on, on U.S. markets, investors are certainly keeping a close eye on the developments in Russia. So I'm curious, do you see any concerns here on the geopolitical front for, for finances? No, not right away. Uh, what happened over the weekend uh, weakened the President Putin a little bit, uh, but uh, but it doesn't pose any, we think, immediate risk. The the risk would come, we think, if, if there were to be a more serious challenge to his power, one that would force him out. And then the question would be, well, who would step in? The risk is that it would be some ultra-nationalist who might want to get more aggressive with NATO or Ukraine. We seem to be a long way from there. Markets seem to agree. Well, and again, we, we know that markets don't do well with any type of uncertainty. So we're, we're going to hope that that's not the case there. Thanks so much, Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at Wells Fargo Investment Institute based in St. Louis, Missouri. You can uh, find him there at uh, Wells Fargo. And coming up, financial strategies for some expectant parents. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, a new baby brings on major changes in both lifestyle and finances. Let's get some help preparing for that big event from Shane Gornick, partner and certified financial planner at Forefront Financial Planning in Downers Grove. Shane, uh, this is perhaps uh, certainly a top of mind for a lot of parents, maybe not the most important priority when getting ready for a baby, but you think of baby, you immediately think about affording one and planning for it. So what advice do you have for those expectant parents? What I would definitely recommend is to start soon, because the farther along you get get in on the process, uh, the more hectic things are going to be, the more other things are that could come up. Uh, so the first thing that we do recommend is make sure your budget is up to date. Uh, know what your current situation looks like without uh, the babies being part of it. And then that makes it easier for seeing where your money is going currently and also making sure that you can then add in the extra expenses associated with that. Well, let's talk uh, about... also. Sorry, oh, I just want to talk about what some of those added expenses are, because there's there's several factors to think about. You, not only do you have to think about the, the medical bill of, of a birth itself or uh, maybe adoption fees, things like that. But then you also have to think about if you're going to take any leave, how do you supplement that mm-hmm. income navigating those kinds of things? I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because that's something that we see happen all the time. So a, a big part of it is trying to be lean and mean uh, expense-wise uh, leading uh, during the pregnancy. I know that's far easier said than done in many situations, uh, but also really ramping up on savings. And I don't mean necessarily retirement savings, but cash, you know, ramping up your checking and savings accounts to account for those types of of expenses that do come up. Maybe you might not, one of the, the parents might be, might not be planning on going on leave and then they decide after the baby is born that they do. Well, you won't have that option really if you don't have the savings aside um, earmarked for that just in case it were to happen. Well, and, and uh, you know, maybe for we know that there are some parents that maybe get caught off guard by expecting a, a new child here and, and maybe are panicked to say, oh, no, nine months isn't nearly enough time to save what we need. What advice do you give to those parents? Uh, it, you might not be able to save what you need, but at least save what you can. Mm-hmm. And, and where a lot of people might have trouble saving is 
the vast majority of people out there, whether they're dealing with a pregnancy or not, don't have a budget and don't know where money is going. And so taking that time now to see where everything is going, go over the last three or four months of credit card statements and bank account statements. Don't do it by memory. You'll get stuff wrong. I get it wrong when I do it for myself from memory, but go through those statements, see where all of your money is going. And what we often find is that people are spending money on things that they didn't realize they were or spending far more in certain areas than they expected. And that can be a great starting point to help really see maybe there is money I can save. I just didn't know it existed. Yeah. And you mentioned a really great point too, of, of talking about looking at say paying, you know, credit cards and paying down debt, because uh, I can tell you that when a baby comes along, you're maybe not thinking about making those payments and then interest catches up and then that's just a world of hurt. <laughs> exactly. No, we, uh, we see that happen all the time. Thanks so much, Shane Gornick. He is a partner and CFP at Forefront Financial Planning in Downers Grove. The website, preparemyretirement.com. Up next, we'll talk about finding that magic number for your retirement. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As you plan your retirement, you'll likely need to come up with an amount of money that allows you to live comfortably. So let's get some assistance on calculating that magic figure from Ed Jertson, certified financial planner and founder of Engage Wealth Group here in Chicago. And Ed, uh, I think when a lot of people say, hey, how much do you need to save for retirement? Chances are it's a maybe a little bit too big of a number. I don't know. What's What do you see with your clients? This is one of my favorite topics, Rachel, because this is probably one of the most often things we are asked as certified financial planners is like, what's my number? Mm-hmm. And so this is where personal financial planning comes in because it's very difficult to come up with a number for many people because each person has their own spending plan. Each person has their own overhead fixed expenses, and let's just call them fun expenses. So really focusing in on a number is really an individual sort of element in terms of just coming up with with the the basic numbers and the basic uh, mathematics, if you would. Well, that sounds to me like it's about coming uh, up with a budget and figuring out all of those variables for each individual. Yeah, great point. And it, it, again, let's try to remove the word budget and look at the word spending plan because budget reminds me of the word diet. So <laughs> okay. when you're looking at your spending pa- plan, focusing on your fixed expenses, right? The higher the fixed expenses you have, the more money you're going to need to meet those expenses. So things like mortgages and loans and you know, not one house, but two houses, you start adding all these things up and this is your fixed costs. And those are the things that you really want to immunize. And I'm borrowing a phrase from my uh, dear uh, passed away friend, Michael Falk, immunize before you optimize. We want to immunize those expenses and those lower those expenses that you have in regards to those fixed costs, the more flexibility you have in retirement. Yeah. And here's something that that my um, parents have practiced. My my mom just retired and I, she sort of had this, this sort of, we'll, we'll call it a practice run, I want to say, where she said, you know what, I'm going to see if I can live off of X amount uh, because that's what she's assuming. She'll draw from her pension, things like that. Uh, but what a great idea, I think, to just sort of put it, put it into practice before you really need to rely on those on those. Finances. 
Well, first, congratulations to your mom on retirement, and congratulations also to what she had done in terms of that, that let's practice this, because this is what we put our clients through. When, when we start talking about numbers, and we think a client is presenting what we'll call just not, not a reasonable number, we think it's too low, we're like, okay, mm-hmm. fine, for the next three months, live on this number. Right. And invariably, they come back and they're like, yeah, no. I'm like, okay, but that's the practice run. So again, good for your mom going through this, because that's really important, because what we think and what we do are generally two different things. Well, and and I know that you sort of reiterated how important it is to meet with a CFP and try to find your own number. And I I do think that that while you can't maybe broad brushstroke one number for all of our listeners, um, once you figure out that number, that's really something that, that then you can it feels more achievable, I feel like. Exactly. We all need a goal, right? We just don't want to say it's some number. So coming up with some sort of target and a goal in terms of savings is always a good idea. And if you look at sort of rules of thumb, right, you you look at what your annual spending plan is and you multiply that by a factor of 25, right? So if you're spending 100000 a year, that might be $2.5 million that you need. And so, again, those good rules of thumb are okay. And if you really focus and concentrate on what your fixed expenses are, looking at reducing those over time into retirement can give you a tremendous amount of flexible financial uh, or sorry, financial flexibility during retirement. So again, that practice session, great idea to do that and try to adhere to that, but also being realistic as we move along in the future in terms of targeting that number. Thanks so much. Ed Jertson with founder or rather founder of Engage Wealth Group in Chicago and still ahead a couple of investment ideas from our stock picker Monday. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Chicago's News Traffic and Weather Station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson in for Rob Hart, and these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. This is Nancy Hardy. Business leaders in Arlington Heights huddle with the Bears CEO about the team's potential move to the suburb that's gotten hung up over property taxes. World leaders respond to rarely seen political unrest in Russia. The potential misuse of artificial intelligence is leading to concerns about next year's elections. Plus, it's Stock Picker Monday. We'll get a couple of ideas from a portfolio pro. WBBM Business. Markets remain mixed as the Dow is up 62 points, NASDAQ down 99, the S&P 500 down 6 points. AccuWeather says it's going to be a mild afternoon, cloudy skies, some scattered rain showers, and a high of 74 degrees. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. As multiple communities try to attract the Chicago Bears, one business group in the perceived leader is hosting the team's top executive for a discussion tonight. WBBM's Nancy Hardy reports. A group calling itself Touchdown Arlington Heights is hosting CEO Kevin Warren for a discussion at the Metropolis Performing Arts Center. The 5.30 event is open to the public, but you had to RSVP by yesterday. The group that's made up of local business leaders and residents, says Warren will talk about what it'll take to secure Arlington Park as the team's future home. 
Since the front office balked over higher taxes for the property, it has already begun demolishing. The team has discussed possible moves to Naperville, Waukegan, and other locations in Chicago. Nancy Hardy, News Radio 1059 WBBM. Western leaders are reacting to the weekend revolt by Russian mercenaries against the country's military leaders. CBS's Kimmy McCormick reports. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says the mutiny is further proof of Moscow's disastrous decision to invade Ukraine. The events over the weekend are an internal Russian matter. And yet another demonstration of the big strategic mistake President Putin made. And he and other Western leaders are shoring up their support for Ukraine. It is even more important to continue our support. Wagner mercenaries fighting in Ukraine halted their advance on Moscow over the weekend and withdrew from the southern Russian city of Rostov under an amnesty deal. The leader of the mutiny, Yegevny Prigozhin, has reportedly agreed to exile in Belarus with criminal charges against him now dropped. Investing 60 minutes each weekday for planning for the future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Well, the markets are mixed this afternoon. We're joined now by Vahan Janjigian, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut. And Vahan, glad to have you with us. Uh, Let's first take a look at... uh, the tech stocks. We're seeing a bit of a pullback in some of these giants. And I guess uh, after such a big rally, this is perhaps expected. Is it something that you think is going to be temporary or will the headwinds persist? Well, as you say, it is expected because these uh, stocks have done so so well here to date. Um, they've really gotten ahead of themselves. So I'm not surprised to see some profit taking um, going on. Um, I don't really expect to see a big sell-off in the uh, in the tech sector, but I do expect the rest of the market to try to catch up. Uh, so today, for example, we're seeing some strength in uh, small-cap stocks. Uh, these are stocks that have really lagged year-to-date. Um, and the Dow is uh, slightly positive today, uh, despite the sell-off in the tech sector. So um, I think we'll start seeing these indexes get a little bit closer to each other between now and the end of the year. Well, and that's something that we sort of have historically seen. There's been a lot of conversation about, you know, the, these five or six tech giants sort of bearing the weight of the market on their shoulders when it comes to these rallies. But but the truth is, a lot of these other smaller indexes, as you mentioned, they eventually do catch up. Yeah, they do. And, and they should. Um, you know, there's a lot of value in these stocks. Um you know, value investors know that you have to be uh, sometimes you have to be uh, um, patient with these kinds of stocks. Uh, they'll eventually catch up. Uh, many of these tech, tech stocks are actually overvalued by uh, the usual metrics. Um, of course, that's where the growth is, and that's why investors are willing to pay a lot of money for them. Um, these are what we call momentum stocks, and, and there's been a lot of momentum in that. Um, but I think, you know, in addition to all that, I think I think the really big news today is um, how well the market has absorbed uh, the weekend events in, in mm-hmm. Russia. Mm-hmm. You know, when I came to work today, I expected to see, you know, the VIX uh, surging and oil prices to surge. Yet that hasn't really happened. Well, and that's sort of we, we talked about this earlier in the show, too, just sort of the geopolitical ramifications on, on U.S. markets. And there really hasn't been much. And, and perhaps it's because it was just this very I, mean, I want to describe the, the Russian the weekend in Russia. Right. It sounds like a, a summative story in and of itself. It seems to it happened. It fizzled and we've moved on. Yeah, but it's also shown how unstable the Russian government is. And, you know, um, in most cases, we wouldn't really care so much, but but Russia has more nuclear weapons than any other country in the world. And and when you have a government with that many weapons that has suddenly proven that it's extremely unstable, 
I would think that the markets would be a, a lot more concerned about it. Well, Vahan, are there any areas of the market that, that seem cheap right now that we should be paying attention to? Well, yes, I, I do think uh, small caps are cheap. And so, you know, I have been adding uh, to those positions primarily through ETFs. Um, I think uh, many of the uh, traditional value names are cheap, even in the large cap area. And uh, I think the DIA, which tracks the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average, is a good ETF to use if you're interested in uh, undervalued large cap names. Um, but, uh, you know, energy, I think, is also interesting. We saw energy uh, do really well last year. It's given back uh, some of those gains. Uh, the XLE, for example, which tracks many of the um, uh, energy companies, is actually down year to date. But I do expect that to, uh, to do a little bit better. Um, the financial sector, of course, has had its struggles because of uh, the regional banking crisis. Um, and that may continue to struggle as the Fed continues to raise interest rates until that yield curve starts uh, normalizing. You know, right now it's very inverted, which is not good news for banks. Uh, once that starts to normalize, however, you should see the banks become much more profitable. Thanks so much, Valhan Janjigand, Chief Investment Officer at Greenwich Wealth Management in Greenwich, Connecticut. Up next, concern about political misinformation rising as the use of artificial intelligence grows. Discussing the news affecting your money, the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. As we approach the next presidential election, there's increasing concern about the use of artificial intelligence for bogus ads, false content, even phony campaign calls. Let's learn more from Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout and host of the podcast, What the Hack with Adam Levin. And Adam, I'm hoping you can just sort of give us a snapshot of how this artificial intelligent technology is being used in the political spectrum. Well, there's great concern. First of all, thanks for having me on the show. There's there's great concern that and the kind of AI that we've seen, like ChatGPT and things like that, where scammers letters are becoming more accurate all the time that the things that used to tip us off to whether or not something was real or not real like bad grammar uh bad logos things like that they're all disappearing because of it so imagine if you will during the political campaigns things that are invented things that are created by nation states to promote a false narrative like disinformation in order to further policy goals like undermining democracy. Now, all of this is supercharged uh, through this AI technology. And just one example of why we should be really concerned about this is Google recently decided to stop removing false claims about widespread fraud in the 2020 election from YouTube. And it said their decision sought to balance goals of protecting community and being a forum for open discussion. Open discussion among humans is a good thing, but unfortunately, if it's open discussion between humans and computer-generated misinformation, not a good thing. Well, and and the other concern too, and I, I, this this I'm not trying to minimize it, but it was it seemed that that when we're talking about elections, a lot of the concern of misinformation, as you mentioned, it was tied to to, to platforms like YouTube, social media. Uh, but but now I'm thinking that AI can sort of even go beyond that in in thinking thinking about getting a phone call from someone that you think is running and it's really not them. Oh no, absolutely, it, it is. Now, one of the things where AI has proven to be not quite there yet is that normally nuances that are human aren't really there. So 
the statements tend to be flat. But generally in political campaigns, if you get a phone call, it's not like there's an excited human being on the other end of the phone. So therefore, <laughs> you would get lost in, the, in, in what they were saying and not really paying attention to how they were saying it. So yes, that is extremely concerning. And without doubt, that's coming our way in 2024. And so where does the onus fall when it comes to oversight or regulating this? Because, you know, we talked about previously Google and YouTube and how initially, at least, it was sort of on the lookout for misinformation that seems to have sort of been pulled back. But but broadly, who bears responsibility here? Well, that's a tough one. I mean, first of all, primary responsibility would be with the campaigns, certainly for anything they put out. Mm -hmm. Uh, anything that's uh, misinformation related, that's something where I still think the social media platforms have got some responsibility there. Now, their attitude is, hey, if we if we label it, we don't ban it, but we label it and figure out where it's coming from, uh, then assign accountability to it. That's one thing. But the issue is a lot of this stuff, you can't even tell where it's coming from. Right. That's right. the problem. So this is a this is a work in progress that obviously, depending upon how bad it is, where it's coming from, you could end up with the Justice Department involved. But all of these things are going to play out over time, because, again, we are a nation where free speech is of paramount importance. It's guaranteed by the Constitution. It's just a question of is it our free speech or is it computer generated free speech? computer-generated speech that's disinformation coming from another nation-state. That's the problem. Thanks so much, Adam Levin, founder of Cyber Scout. You can join us at this time tomorrow for Travel Tuesday. And still to come, our Stock Picker Monday. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday, and helping us out today is Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital and author of the book Calculated Risk here in Chicago. Michael, glad to have you with us. What's your first pick? Well, good afternoon, Rachel, and thanks, as always, for having me on. My first pick is Devon Energy DBN. It's a $30 billion market cap stock. It's just a super cheap oil play here, trading at a 5 PE and down 20% for the year because oil has been slipping. But but at this point, you have to kind of draw a line in the sand here and, and buy buy the stock. Uh, Goldman just raised their uh, raised it to a buy. We don't usually follow Goldman, but but we do agree with their analysts in this case. Its its risk reward is, here is just too compelling to pass up. I think it's got twenty to thirty percent upside just this year alone, and it, it may be the cheapest oil play in the world right now. So you want to get long some oil. Um, this is a great way to do it. Uh, I don't think there's a better better buy in the oil sector than Devon Energy. And that ticker is DVN. Mike, your second pick. GLD. So gold. I've actually uh, been on your show in the past uh, 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 saying to, to buy gold. And I'm going to repeat it here because it has sold off a bit recently down to the low 1900s. So I think it's a great entry point. We've liked it since 1750. But it's a good entry even here at 1935-ish for a move to 2,500. Obviously, geopolitical risks are, are high. I just don't believe that people, the general consensus realizes just how high they really are. I think it's still underestimated. We saw over the weekend what happened in Russia. Whether you think that, that coup was dangerous or not, the fact is instability there just adds more problems. 
And we believe that Russia and China right now pose the most significant risk to a world war since the Bay of Pigs and, and the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. So we're talking about some some very un, unpredictable situations, both China and Taiwan, Russia and Europe, uh, and even within themselves now. I mean, you you may not like Putin, but you, you might uh, like him a lot better than, than instability over there um, because they're a huge nuclear uh arsenal they have and 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 you don't want you do not want uh, a weak leader over there so you may not like putin but you, you probably will will not like even more whoever follows him or if there's instability so we think it, you just buy it put it in your portfolio forget about it and just realize if it does happen to go down then that's that means the world's probably in a much better place and your other assets have increased in value so it's it's a good hedge versus what's going on right now. Right, and that's gold, the ticker GLD, and it's worth noting that that's an exchange-traded fund. Can you just briefly explain what that is? Yes, so that's a way to buy gold futures without actually owning the the, the precious metal. So uh, they have it in, in, in a bunch of other sectors where you can buy uh, a bunch of stocks in one basket. So you're allowed to to, you're able to buy gold without going out there and doing the futures, which a lot of people don't understand how to do it. This is a simple way. You can basically just buy it just like a stock. So it's a way to buy it just in the stock market. Uh, it trades uh, just, just as much as stocks do and in big size. So you can you can get a lot of it if you want in a short period of time. Thanks so much, Michael Palumbo, founder of MJP Capital here in Chicago. And if you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's also a pause and rewind function that works both online and with with the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.